Hey everybody, it's Jason. Welcome or welcome back to the Mosaic Church Podcast. At the end of this podcast, please take a moment to connect with us on social media. It's a great place to learn more and to see what's happening at Mosaic. Most importantly, hope the following message encourages and inspires you to take a new step on your faith journey. Enjoy. Well, good morning, Mosaic Church. So good to be with you. We are fast-tracking our way to Easter. I can't even believe it's Easter already. I felt like we just celebrated Christmas, but, woo! you know, for, for... <laughs> we'll save that, woo. He's already playing prison song. Yeah, that's, that's, wow. I mean, it's, it's snowing still. Can we at least get to summer before we celebrate it? But Easter's here. It's been such an amazing series. We've been working through the final words of Jesus. He's just joining us now. Maybe you haven't been here in a while or joining us online. We've been celebrating, looking through what it actually did Jesus say in these last days coming to what we know as Holy Week, some people during the Lenten season, or for Easter. Like, what did he actually say? Where did he go? What did he do? And we went through this idea, like, if you have just like, say, you know, you've got one week to live. I have one week to live. How would you spend your time, your money, your resources? What would you do? And we were honest with ourselves over the course of this sermon series to say, probably not what Jesus did. And we probably wouldn't have said the things he said, like forgiving people while he's on the cross and walking with his disciples as they're making all these mistakes. And now we're going to kind of flash forward a little bit. We're not skipping Easter. We're going to celebrate that this week, Good Friday, Good Friday service at Easter. Love for you guys to join us. We're not skipping that, but we're going to fast forward past that and talk about a time after he had come back to life. But before we go there, I want to process with you a few things as we get there, because I want you to help to understand what was happening in Jesus' life. So I'm going to ask you this question. Have you ever been betrayed by somebody? Somebody who you really love or loved, and you were betrayed. Let's say you had a spouse who said, I love you forever. You took your vows, and that spouse didn't live up to those vows. And so your heart is left shattered on the ground. Or maybe you had like a best friend and you think about like high school, college, those best friends and you find out that best friend's been telling all your secrets to somebody else and now everybody's got rumors about you and you felt so betrayed and broken. Maybe you have had a situation where you're the betrayer. Now I know there's, I mean, I'm sure there's no one in this room who's ever messed up before. So, so I have done this. So I'm going to assume that some of you have done this as well where there was something given to you that, that you actually betrayed somebody. And now maybe you live with this regret, like the weight of what you have done or what you have said as being the betrayer just haunts you. And you sit on this, this weight you carry as someone who has broken somebody who trusted you. There, there is a something that we can start to look at together about betrayal because Close relationships in which there is betrayal is one of the deepest hurts that we have as relational beings. God has created us for relationship, and that is absolutely wonderful at times, and at times absolutely excruciating. And the only way that you get to the amazing times is you have to be willing to put yourself out there. You have to be willing to put yourself in a place of a relationship where there's trust between you and another person and you're holding in the balance this person's 
life. Now, I don't know your stories, obviously, or your backstories, but I do know this. I'm very passionate about this topic. I'm very passionate about people who trusted in the church, and the church hurt them. Whether it was you trusted a pastor, you trusted a mentor, you trusted a small group, but somehow there's been a time in your church life or your church experience in which something happened where you're like, see, this is why I don't want to give my life to a God because his people are betrayers. And so if that's your story, I want you to hear my heart today. This is a special spot for me because I also have been there. Pastor Nick has been there. And I know some of your stories, some of you have been there as well. And I'm here today to clear up something for you as we look at betrayal. I want to clear up something. Jesus Christ never has and never will betray you ever. Who betrays you are his knucklehead kids like you and me. Because we are broken, we are messed up, and then sometimes people just put on the moniker, I will use the word Christian, they'll put the moniker, I am a Christian, though they don't actually follow the ways that Jesus has taught or the life that Jesus has called us to. I am a Christian, but I live my own life off on a side. And so now the word Christian becomes a word of pain to you because I am a Christian, yet I did this on purpose. Or I'm a Christian, I did this, and it broke you. There's lots and lots of stories. Lots of stories I've heard over my years as a pastor with that. But what I want to share with you today actually is what Jesus said when he was betrayed. When Jesus was betrayed, he didn't respond in the way that I would respond, or I will say how I have responded. He did not respond in a way that really, in a lot of ways, even makes sense to us. Because Jesus is always living and showing us the kingdom of God. If you've ever read the Bible and got into scripture reading, and I encourage all of you to read the Bible for yourself. Open the word of God. It's a beautiful, beautiful book. And inside the scriptures, Jesus is always talking about the kingdom of God. He says the kingdom of God is like this. The kingdom of God is like that. And what he is teaching us is in God's way of doing things, in God's economy, this is what love looks like. You think it's this, actually God's economy or God's way, this is what it looks like. And so Jesus is showing us what's again kingdom-mindedness, or this is what the kingdom of God looks like when you are betrayed, okay? And so this is going to be a fascinating series here today. And how this starts is we're going to get into this passage before we get you there, is that we are still betraying Jesus, If you have sinned this week, and by a show of hands, let's see everybody who sinned this week. (laughs) I'm totally kidding. I love you guys for doing that. Well done. If you didn't raise your hand, you just sinned by lying. So you're cool. Uh, We have betrayed God. If you call Jesus Christ as your Savior, and you have called upon him to save us, which many have and some are still exploring, when we call on Jesus as Savior, he's given us a new way, a new life, and a new purpose for what we live. But we keep cheating on him every time we go to something that's not the way of God. And the mercy of God, our betrayal is almost sometimes daily or multiple times daily. And his forgiveness is overwhelming because it continues to well into us. So this is why I'm sharing this with you today. If you are somebody who's about to hear this passage and your life is full of guilt and shame, 
and you've called on the Lord Jesus Christ as your Savior, I want to free you today from guilt and shame because Jesus took it on the cross, which we're going to celebrate on Friday. If you do not know Jesus Christ as your Savior, and you're still exploring, like, I don't know if I want to get into this whole thing. You guys are kind of like Jesus freaks or whatever. Here's the thing I'm going to share with you. My guilt and shame, I don't have it because Jesus is going to take it for me. We're going to celebrate that on Friday and on Easter. And so no matter where you are on your journey, listen to how Jesus deals and talks about some of the people who betrayed him, and these were his best friends or disciples. So we're going to pick up our passage, and Jesus is going to look at, have a conversation with Peter. Peter was one of his 12 disciples. Uh, Judas is no longer part of the story. He had committed suicide after the whole betrayal of Jesus, and you can get into that into the book of John if you want to read more about that. And so Jesus now is coming back to his 11 disciples who are still remaining, that when he started to go towards the cross, he started going through all of the uh, all the persecution and all of the torture, they scattered and left him alone. Okay, so they scattered. They were afraid for their lives. They were afraid they were going to get what he got, and so they scattered. And the one that we see the most of the conversation is Peter. Peter and him had a very special relationship, and, and Peter is the one in which is kind of the leader. He's going to say, I need you to lead the church going forward. So I need you to step up to the plate, Peter. And Peter does what all of us would probably do in those times. When things got hard, he betrayed Jesus and denied he even knew him. He, he, this is one of his best friends. This is the one that Jesus was saying, I'm handing you the keys to my car, the keys to the kingdom. I'm handing you the keys. Like if you're, you know, if anybody who has a 15, 16 year old starts driving, you hand your keys to your 15 or 16 year old. Terror reach, like just terror reeks through you. And then as a parent, you start pushing the emergency brake that doesn't exist. Like that terror, right? Jesus doesn't have terror. He's handing the keys of his ministry over to Peter and the disciples. As he does this, he is fully aware of what Peter and the disciples are going to do. They're going to betray him, deny him, and completely walk away from him. Sounds like a great group of people to start a whole movement on. But Jesus is amazing. If anything during this season, this Lenten season, this Easter season, if you can catch one thing here, friends, is that the gospel of Jesus Christ is more powerful and more amazing than probably we recognize every single day. It is so big and so awesome and so encompassing that when we focus on the gospel of Jesus Christ, we start to see a level of love and forgiveness that goes beyond we can even imagine. So today we're in John chapter 21. John chapter 21, verses 1 to 17. John 21, if you have your Bible apps, feel free to open those up, and we are going to have it up on the screen behind us as well. John 21, 1 to 17. So back again, Jesus has gone to the cross. Easter has come. Jesus is alive. He's appeared to his disciples. And then we get into this situation where we see him appearing to his disciples again. But it's a little bit strange this time. It's interesting. Let's go into John 21. Afterward, Jesus appeared again to his disciples by the Sea of Galilee. It happened this way. Simon Peter, Thomas, also known as Didymus, Nathaniel from Cana and Galilee, the sons of Zebedee, and two other disciples were together. I'm going out to fish, Simon Peter told them, and they said, we'll go with you. So they went out, they got into the boat, but that night they caught nothing. I can relate to that. I love fishing. I catch nothing. 
Early in the morning, Jesus stood on the shore, but the disciples did not realize that it was Jesus. He called out to them, friends, haven't you any fish? No, they answered. He said, throw your net on the right side of the boat and you'll find some. When they did, they were unable to haul the net in because of the large number of fish. Then the disciple whom Jesus loved said to Peter, it's the Lord. As soon, listen, as soon as Simon Peter heard him say, it is the Lord, he wrapped his outer garment around him for he'd taken it off and jumped into the water. The other disciples followed in the boat, towing the net full of fish, for they were not far from shore, about a hundred yards. When they landed, they saw a fire of burning coals there with fish on it and some bread. Jesus said to him, bring some of the fish you have just caught. So Simon Peter climbed back into the boat and dragged the net ashore. It was full of fish, 153, but even with so many, the, the net was not torn. Jesus said to them, come and have breakfast. None of the disciples dared ask, who are you? They knew it was the Lord. Jesus came, took the bread and gave it to them and did the same with the fish. This was now the third time Jesus appeared to his disciples after he was raised from the dead. When they'd finished eating, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? Yes, Lord, he said, you know that I love you. Jesus said, feed my lambs. Again, Jesus said, Simon, son of John, do you love me? He said, he answered, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. Jesus said, take care of my sheep. The third time he said to him, Simon, son of John, do you love me? And Peter was hurt because Jesus asked him a third time, do you love me? He said, Lord, you know all these things. You know that I love you. And Jesus said, feed my sheep. We see in this passage, Peter, John, James, John, the sons of Zebedee, Thomas, Nathaniel, they're out and there are some unnamed disciples in this thing and they, they go fishing. And what's fascinating about this whole thing is that when Jesus left, they went back to what they did before they followed Jesus, which was fishing. They went back to what they know. They went back to what was common. They went back to what was familiar. They went back to, well, we got to make money now. We don't have Jesus like making loaves and fishes appear out of nowhere. We got, we got to take care of ourselves. Like we go back to what we're comfortable doing, which is fishing. We're good at fishing. God made us to be fishermen. So let's just go fish. This is what we do. And every guy in here understands this calling of what we do makes us valuable. What we do makes us valuable. What I do gives me value to my family. What I do gives me value to my community. What I offer in my work gives me value. We have a very unhealthy sense of that. Women also feel that way in value. What I do, how I produce. We have this thing and what I do makes me valuable. But the problem is, is value is not in what we do. Value comes because you are a child of the living God and because God just loves you. Therefore, you are valuable. But being human and being like all of us, we they didn't know what to do. What do I do now? They go back to what they know, which is fishing. So Jesus is on shore and he's like, hey guys, throw your nets on the other side. Now they didn't recognize this was Jesus. Now any fisherman in here, um, uh, I fish a lot. I love fishing. It's one of my favorite uh, things to do. I love fishing when the sun's going down, when there's sunset. And, I, and for those who are fishermen, they're like, okay, let's talk about this. And obviously, I'm jonesing for it to not be cold anymore. So I, I, love, I love going with a topwater bait when the sun's going down. And you throw a topwater bait over the water, and you see these fish explode out of the water. And, they're, and I mean, it's just a beautiful thing. And I'm like, oh, God, you are so amazing. But when I don't catch fish... 
It is the worst hobby in the world. I'm casting and casting and casting and casting. And literally, I'll pray, hey, God, I remember that time in the Bible when you told your disciples to cast fish. I'm going to go to the other side of the boat, right? And I'm going to cast over here. And when I get skunked, I just salty and I go over and I go home. So, so I get this idea of fishing. There's something to it. And you have gone all night long and, and you were skunked. The last thing you want to hear is, hey, toss your nets on the other side. Bro, we... <laughs> We've done that. We've been here. We've moved across all around the lake. We've already been on the side, but they do it. Now, what's fascinating about this passage is that this passage is going to link back all the way. We're going to flash back all the way to the beginning when Jesus called these men to be his disciples. It's in Luke chapter 5, verses 1 to 11. Listen to this passage. This is a different passage now. Listen to this one. One day, as Jesus was standing by the lake of Gennesaret, the people were crowding around him and listening to the word of God. He saw at the water edge two boats left there by the fishermen who were washing their nets. He got into one of the boats, the one belonging to Simon, and asked him to put Allah out from shore. Then he sat down and taught the people from the boat. When he had finished speaking, he said to Simon, Put out into deep water and let down the nets for a catch. Simon answered, Master, we've worked hard all night. We haven't caught anything. But because you say so, I will let down the nets. When they had done so, they caught such a large number of fish that their nets began to break. So they signaled their partners in from other boats to come and help them. And they came and they filled both boats so full they began to sink. When Simon Peter saw this, he fell at Jesus' knees and said, Go away from me, Lord. I'm a sinful man. For he and all his companions were astonished at the catch of fish. They had taken. And so were James and John, the sons of Zebedee, Simon's partners. Then Jesus said to Simon, don't be afraid. From now on, you will fish for people. So they pulled their boats up on shore, left everything and followed him. This is how they met Jesus. This was three years prior to what we just read. This had happened as a group of guys who were out fishing and they're doing their nets and some prophet that they've heard talking, some rabbi who is teaching says, hey, can I get your boat so I can teach people? And they're washing the nets like, okay. So they go out in there and so they get into these boats and he goes out and Jesus starts teaching this large crowd of people and they're listening to this teaching. And then when he was done, he says, hey, let's go a little bit further into the lake. Put down your nets. And Simon being a fisherman is like, Bro, it is not working. The bite is not on. We are catching nothing. You don't understand. You're a rabbi. You're not a fisherman. But okay. Now, it doesn't say this sarcastically, but let's put it in our 2020, 2023 terms, and let's take a Gen Z. It's like, whatever, boomer, right? So he's like, okay, fine. He puts down the nets. As the nets go down into the water, they start to pull up a a group of fish so heavy. There's so many fish that the nets are starting to break. These are heavy corded nets that they have to call their partners over and say, you've got to put some fish into this boat. There's too many fish. There's too many fish. So they start filling these boats and the boats are sinking now. Like, get less fish, get less fish, right? So they're dumping fish out because there's so many and they're looking and like, who are you? And Peter has a specific message. It's so beautiful. Jesus says, don't worry about fishing for fish. Your purpose is not about fishing. Your purpose is fishing for men. And let me put this in common tongue for you. Your purpose is going to be to make disciples that make disciples. 
your purpose. Listen to me, Peter. Let the nets down. I'm changing your life forever. If you follow me, Peter, I'm going to give you a purpose greater than you can imagine. If you follow me, Peter, there will be a church in Slinger, Wisconsin called Mosaic Church in which people will be sitting and hearing my words 2,000 years later from now. And this is happening, Peter, because you are going to go share the gospel and tell the good news of everything. You are going to find men, women, children who are going to give their life to me. You have a new purpose, Peter. It's bigger than yourself. Listen to me, Peter. John, boys, listen. Come follow me. They drop their nets and they start following. We go back three years later. These men have lost their master and their savior and they're in a boat and they're in this boat. There are no fish. Jesus is gone. They've seen him a few times. But is this really happening? They're still confused. The whirlwind of their mind, like what is really happening? And this man calls from them to put their nets over the side and they say, okay. And they start to pull the nets up, but the nets don't break this time. The nets they're pulling in, the net's so heavy, but the net is secure, the net is firm. And John goes, it's the Lord. He recognizes the story. Do you remember when he told us to go catch fish and then we didn't catch fish? And do you remember when he said, put it on one side, there's all these fish? He's doing again. And so that beautiful word picture that Jesus gives his beloved friends, he didn't have to do that. He could have said, hey, bros, remember when you ditched me at the cross? Cool flex. You're never going to catch fish again. Hey, guys, remember when I needed you most and you denied me and said you didn't even know me? Thank you. Thanks a lot, guys. You know what? Relationship over. You know what? In fact, I got revenge for you. Watch my revenge. Come on. Oh, wait. Is this, this is one of us talking, right? Because this isn't the way we think. Let me go to social media and tell you how terrible of a person you are because you betrayed me. All of you, I gave you my life. All of you, I showed you the majesty and the kingdom of God and you left me to die alone. I think that's probably what I would have said. I'm not proud of that. I'm ashamed of that. But that's, that's, my, that's my heart sometimes. I Maybe you can relate, guys. You get to that place where you've been hurt so many times over and over and over again. Your heart gets so hard and calloused and you just don't want to take one more pain so you protect yourself and you become that person that's shielded and you attack everybody before you're attacked. Not Jesus. If you want to know if you should follow Jesus, just listen to this beautiful story of the ultimate betrayal and he returns it with telling him a story of love. And that story of love it's so beautiful. He shares a story that's intimate between these men and him. This is their story. This is their inside story. And he says, come back, throw your nets. Peter is like, that's the Lord. He ties it. He lost his cloak. He took it off. It was hot, whatever. I don't know why he ties it back on. He's like, I got to leave in the boat. You guys are going to sink with all the fish maybe. So he ties it back on and he starts swimming the length of a football field. So he is just boom, boom, boom. And I don't know. He's a fisherman. I'm assuming this guy's got some muscle to him. We assume that he's comfortable in water. But that's a that's not a small stretch. Because the other guys are like, let's roll this in. We got fish to eat, right? So gee, Paul, or excuse me, Peter runs in. The boys are coming in after him. And as they get to the fire, Jesus already had fish. 
had already made them breakfast. There's intimacy and community when we eat together with people. And he didn't even need the fish that was in the boat because Jesus has everything that he needs. He didn't say, uh, you know what? I need everything you're catching. He already had fish and loaves coming, but then he, this is, Jesus is so amazing. He includes them and says, why don't you bring some fish that you caught as well? He invites them into the story because like he needs their fish, but he's giving value to them and saying, bring some that you have brought as well, even though he didn't need it because he already had fish there. So he invites them into this beautiful story. Come, bring what you guys have. Let's sit down. Let's eat together. And so they sit down and they have this meal. Now, this is so crazy if you knew and know the story of Peter. Because Peter, just three nights before this, four nights, he had, he had already done terrible things before the resurrection. And then now that he's here, they still don't believe. They're con- confused. And is Jesus really him? Listen to what Peter did just on that night of betrayal. Just on that night of betrayal. John 13, 36 to 38. Peter says he'll lay down his life for Jesus, but Jesus calls him out and asks him about, if you really know me, and actually, you're going to disown me three times by the time the rooster crows or the, or the summer or the uh, sun comes up. John 18, 15 to 18 says, Peter's asked by a girl who's on duty of the high priest courtyard if he's one of Jesus' disciples. He says, I'm not with them. I don't know him. John 18, 25, Peter is warming himself by a fire and he's asked if he's one of Jesus' disciples. He says he's not. John 18, 26, Peter's asked by one of the high priest's servants. He challenges him and says, didn't I see you in the olive grove with Jesus? Peter denies, and at that moment, the rooster crows. Betrayed, denied, not just oops once, over and over again. He wanted nothing to do with being associated with Jesus that night. And here we see Jesus calling him and reminds Peter of his calling. He takes Peter and says, I want to remind you again, my dear friend, I want to remind you that you have a calling that's bigger than fish. Do you remember that day, Peter, when you didn't catch fish? I said, you're going to be a fisher of men. We just did this again. Can you remember? And he reminds him of his calling. You're not here to catch fish, bro. You're here to spread the gospel so that multiple millions of people will hear the gospel and be saved. You have a bigger calling than fish, Peter. And so they sit down and they have this meal together. And so he goes into this three times. Do you love me? Do you love me? Do you love me? The three times reverses the three times of denial. Three denials. Three, do you love me? It says, if you love me, Peter, you are going to do something with the love that you have for me. I don't want you, Peter, to say you love me and attend church once a month. I don't want you to say you love me, Peter, and be a really good, a really good person, very charitable, and be a really nice guy. Peter, if you love me, you're going to take care of all of the people. You are going to feed my sheep. You're going to take care of, and feeding is not the food of fish, because the first I was like, oh, I can fish for you. That's not what he's saying. What he's saying is you are going to spiritually feed Everybody, you are going to have to lead them, Peter. If you love me, you are going to do something 
with this love. This verse is not just for Peter because Peter reinstates. Jesus brings the relationship back together. He reminds him of his calling. Jesus reinstates the relationship with Peter. And then Peter, he does something so great, he activates his future to go forward. And for us in our faith journeys, we tend to hear a verse like that and say, that's a great story. And I understand that. And Peter had a, a really high calling. And Peter is like a special guy. He's a saint in the, you know, whatever you want to say. He's a big deal. Like, they wrote books about him. Peter was just a guy like you and me who lived 2,000 years ago and was called. He says, if you love me, you're going to feed my sheep. So what does that mean for you? What do we do with this kind of a passage? Do we, I mean, in our, we are so comfortable and we believe our, our faith journey is about us feeling comfortable and loving God. But loving God is a portion of doing what he has called us to do. If you love me, Jesus says in the scriptures, you will obey my commands. And he gives you a clear command in Matthew 28, verses 18 to 20. This is the last words Jesus speaks before he sends into heaven. Matthew 28, 18 to 20. Then Jesus came to them and said, All authority in heaven and on earth have been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I'm with you always to the very end of age. Go, make disciples, baptize, teach. You have to go. You need to make disciples. You need to baptize. You need to teach. That's a great message for his disciples all these years ago. What about 2023? I don't know if you know this, all of these guys are dead. Every one of his disciples no longer exists on earth. They are not here. And so when they taught, they said, you need, this is the command from our master. We have heard Jesus say this to us. Go, make disciples, baptize, teach them. And so he, they pass it on to the next generation, to the next generation, to the next generation. And now 2,000 years later, this is now your command. You if you love the Lord, must go, make disciples, baptize, and then you teach. Now, you say, whoa, this is a lot to handle. I thought this was just a pre-Easter service. Like, where's Palm Sunday, palms and stuff, right? This is why, guys. This is the heartbeat of why Mosaic Church exists. Because we've been sitting in America too long enjoying great music and a great guy teaching. And my community, and that I'm so passionate about, and I know your community, for many of you, Washington County, how many people do we know do not know the gospel of Jesus Christ? And the answer of, well, if I just get them to come to church on Sunday, maybe my pastor will give a really great message like today is, and then they will hear all about Jesus. Maybe if I could just, that is not what Jesus said. He said, you need to go. You need to go make disciples. You need to be on mission. Where have we lost our, where have we lost this along the way? Now, this is just straight from the Bible. This is the word of God. And when he says go, like, I'm like, I got to go. So if you think, and I'm just going to make this, I'm going to burst your monster bubble right now. And those who know me are like, no, bubbles burst years ago, Jay. Nick and I are nothing special. We are two men who are disobedient, who have messed up and made tons of mistakes. And when Jesus said go, we said, okay. For those who heard the story, 
um, of us, of Nick and Don, leaving. They're going to plant Mosaic Church, North Carolina. The one church is now in two states. As I sat down and thought, there's no way I'm losing my friends, God. And I sat there with closed hands. I'm like, God, but but what am I going to do when I don't want to preach on Sunday? <laughs> what, what am I going to do when I have a Star Wars question? <laughs> I sat there with closed hands and said, God, I don't want them to go. And then I'm reminded of this passage of who am I to ever stop the movement of God when he says, go and make disciples. And God opened my stupid, closed mind to the idea of there is a huge group of people, there's hundreds of people in North Carolina right now who do not know Jesus Christ. And if we send them, they can know who Jesus Christ is and they're obeying Matthew 28. Nick and Dawn are just humans. Peter is just a human. You are just a human. The difference, perhaps, in your faith journey is, are you willing to obey what he asked you to do? Because he says, if you love me, you obey me. Love equals obedience, friends. And it is hard, and there are times I don't like it, like when, you're, when your friends are leaving. But let the kingdom of God reign forever. Because what if Peter said, nah, hey, thanks for the fish. I'm going back to fishing. What if all the the boys are like, you know, we're really good at fishing, Jesus. He's like, no, you're not. I had to help you get fish twice, right? (laughs) What if? We go to the what if scenarios, but there's no reason to what if because God has put us on mission and the word of God has made it clear. It is time now once again for us to go back to the mission because his final words on earth were saying, now you take everything I've given you and you go make disciples. If you say, I don't know I don't know how to do that, that's why we're here at Mosaic. We are a disciple-making discipleship church. It is our heartbeat. It is our focus. It's why we're in the community. That's why we love where we live. It's why we're all about our discipleship pathway, because the game is over. The game is over. Sitting and watching and like, eh, that was a good speech, but really I got something else. This is over, guys. We have a mission and a purpose, because Jesus Christ, if you love him, you know what that means? Why wouldn't you give that away to somebody else? Guys, why wouldn't you? I don't know what to say. Neither do we have the time. You went to school for this. They didn't teach me this portion. There's no excuses anymore, friends. And one of the greatest joys I have as a pastor are baptisms. Because Matthew 28 says something so beautiful. Go make disciples. Go. You have to get out. You have to move. Go. Make disciples. Baptize them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, which you'll see here today. And teach them everything I've taught you. Lord, The Lord is so good to us, friends. The gospel is so powerful. Today you're about to witness what this looks like in the lives of three people. As you sit and listen to this story, let this sermon resonate in your heart, and maybe God's doing a new move in your heart. Let it resonate in your heart, because you know people right now who are far from God, and Jesus is sitting by a fire eating fish with you, saying, do you love me, Sarah? Do you love me, John? Kara, do you love me? And feed my sheep. If you love me, take care of my people. Because it's happening right now in 2023, like it did 2,000 years ago. Once again, thank you so much for listening. If you live in Southeast Wisconsin, we'd love to connect with you at our weekend gathering. 
for service time, directions, and to learn more about our vision to ignite a movement of love that transforms our community and the world, visit us at mosaicwi.com.